Everything that you teach, everything that you do, every slide should lead to the close. This is Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast, episode 21. You're listening to Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast, brought to you by the fine folks at Response Suite. And here we are, another episode of Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast. I'm Rob. And I'm Kennedy. And we're really excited to have you here back with us. Another cracking guest. And it's been another great week here at Response Suite HQ, adding more stuff in the background to all the things going on here at Response Suite. Very exciting. It's always all hands on deck. It really is. It's amazing. The collaboration. That's one of the big things that's really important, I think, to me here is that everybody gets involved in every bit of, of, the, of the business, really. Like everybody's involved in the marketing, everybody's involved in the development. It's all, it's all very exciting. So today's guest, another really exciting person uh, to, to talk to, really, because this guy really inspired me from the beginning to even understand that marketing was a thing, believe it or not. Mm. It's a chap called Dave D from the United States of the Americas. And uh, we started following him a really long time ago. Like, yeah, like a stalker. In, like 16, <laughs> 1652 or something, like a really long time ago. Uh, because obviously, both Kennedy and I come from an entertainment background, and uh, so does Mr. D. Uh, he was, in fact, a, a magician and uh, entertainer. Yes, for sure. And uh, he had a business that taught magicians and entertainers how to do better in their businesses and stuff. And we sort of used to buy his things, didn't we? Like, yeah. uh, that's the top and bottom of it. We that's used how to I got buy things from this man. From this man. He was very compelling. And then he went on to do some incredible things with, uh, with Dan Kennedy and some other massive players in the information marketing space. And these days, Dave makes an absolute fortune, a really good living by actually presenting both in real life, which is what he's been doing for most of his life, presenting in real life as an entertainer, but he now presents in real life and, of course, online using the old webinars that you've probably heard a little bit about. Yeah, so we were really excited to hear what his formula was for filling rooms full of people, getting on stage at other people's events, but also doing live webinars and being able to deliver a punchy, power-packed presentation. Uh, oh, I like what you did there. Uh, for the plosives for uh, like, I don't know, 60 minutes and then sell loads of stuff at the end, make a fortune, go home to his wife and kids and everyone's happy. And have a really good time. Now, just a heads up in case you haven't already looked, this is a lengthy episode. One of the things that Dave is very much known for is giving the goods. He gives a lot of stuff away, his entire formula. This is like a, to- a whole training. So strap yourself in. Let's have a chat to Dave. Dave, how's it going? Uh, amazing. Absolutely amazing. Because I'm on with you guys, so how could it not be great? I mean, it's going to be the best day of your life, surely. Pro- well, I'm not 100% sure that I'm sure it'll be in the top five, though. No question about that. <laughs> there we go. Look, Dave, you and I go back years and years and years. And one of the things that you've gone through is the journey from being a professional stage entertainer at corporate events and conferences and that kind of thing. Similar to my background, I learned a lot of my marketing sort of background from you. And you've now transposed that, those skills, into actually how do you take the skills of being an entertainer and engaging large groups of people at once and actually compelling them using some kind of content and then basically selling them, making an offer at the end of that presentation. Uh, that's something you've really mastered. So would you just tell us and share with us, what are the opportunities around this? And what I sort of mean by that is, do you run your own events and do it that way? Do you get on stage at other people's events? What is that opportunity? Yeah, so I think that the most important thing for people to realize is, let me answer your question, it's both. Um, But I think it's really important that they realize that the type of speaking that I do 
and that I teach other people to do is to actually sell their product, their service, uh, their idea from the stage or via a webinar. So it's called one to many selling. Right. And it's a little bit different than just going up there and giving a presentation where you're going to motivate people or just get them to get a standing ovation. Quite frankly, as you know, as an entertainer, that's kind of easy to do. Right. Um, that, that's not very difficult. Uh, but to get up there and sell, that's a whole different ball game. So um, I do my own events uh, and I also speak at a, a lot of other people's events. And What's nice about speaking at other people's events is that they have have their they gathered the audience for you. Mm -hmm. And what people don't really understand is that not only do you make a lot of money if, if you're good at it just from that, but you're acquiring customers at a huge profit. So if I can get up there and I can go to an event and I'm just I'm flying out to LA and doing one in LA and I can come home with a hundred new customers. Yeah. and a stack full of money, that's very, very powerful. Uh, because typically, as, as business owners, as entrepreneurs, we need to uh, pay money to get a customer. Well, with speaking to sell or doing webinars to sell, then you are getting paid a lot of money and getting a customer. So it's a really powerful tool. And just a little bit of clarification there, Dave. When you're talking about sometimes you run your own events and sometimes you sort of appear at other people's events, you're talking about in-person events sometimes where you put your own events on and people actually physically turn to a location. And sometimes somebody else is running their own physical event. But also... Sometimes you run your own webinars, and again, sometimes you present on somebody else's webinar. That, that's right, isn't it? Yeah, that's 100% right. Now, in order of effectiveness, just so everybody knows, because everybody's dream would probably be uh, to just be able to do stuff online, right? Not have to get on a plane, not have to travel. <laughs> but the truth is that you are going to do much better uh, in person, live, than you will online. But I do a, uh, almost a webinar every single week. Uh, to sell my products and services. So it's very effective. It's just not as effective as having people come see you or you, you know, going to somebody else's event and them seeing you live. So just recently, just a couple of weeks ago, I spoke at a relatively uh, small event uh, for, believe it or not, uh, tax resolution specialists. Ooh, sexy stuff. Yeah, sexy stuff, right? And it was funny. The uh, organizer of the event, Michael Rosbrook, who's a brilliant uh, information marketer. Uh, he was like, well, you got to remember these people are CPAs. These people are accountants. You know, they're not going to, they're not going to run to the back of the room to buy stuff. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they did. I mean, I ended up closing over 50% of the room on a 2000, well, to be uh, clear, a $1,797 product. Fantastic. So, yeah. And so, you know, that netted me about $50,000. Right. Um, if I am going to go and get a, get a speaking fee, which most people think about, well, I'm not getting a $50,000 speaking fee. Right. Um, even some celebrities who you would think would get that fee don't get that fee. So right. I much rather go speak to sell than go speak to get applause. So do you ever, um, do you ever do a gig like that kind of speaking thing where you're getting a fee and some of the sales? Do you ever do a mixture? Do you ever do, but you're sort of saying you, you rarely do a thing where you're just speaking. No, I mean, I was, um, great marketer, uh, out of, uh, 
out of Italy, Frank Miranda, you know, flew, flew me out there, flew me out to Italy where I got to speak before 3000 Italian entrepreneurs, which was super fun uh, because none of them spoke English. So the whole thing was translated and I did get paid to do that, Mm. um, which was fun because I got to go to Italy too. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. And so, but no, I, I typically don't want a fee. Um, I want to get the sales. And the way that works, just so everybody knows, and by the way, I know there's a lot of people on here that aren't going to be doing this. So I also want to teach people how they can speak to sell uh, and do webinars to sell, even if it's just selling a free consultation. So I've got most of my clients aren't folks that go out and do what I do, but they do will do a workshop, a dinner workshop or something like that where their whole point is to get appointments. So a lot of attorneys um, or solicitors, as, as you would call them, uh, financial advisors, those kind of folks, doctors who are doing you know, little small seminars and they're not selling the product there, but they're booking appointments. But the way that it works when you go and speak at somebody else's event is almost none of the speakers you see other than the celebrity speaker are getting paid a fee. Hmm. The way it works is you get 50% of the sales and the host gets 50% of the sales. Yeah. A lot of people would say, well, wait a minute. Why am I going to give the guy 50% of my sales? I mean, you're (laughs) my product. And well, because he's assembled uh, an audience for you, right? Which you would not be able to assemble on your own. And I mean, basically it's an offline affiliate commission, isn't it? That's what it is. That's exactly. You got it. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly. So with all of this, how do you actually position yourself as an expert and somebody who's desirable to actually get booked to speak at an event, whether it is for a fee or as you know, part of this commission split deal? Yeah. So it's like anything else. Um, so I've done it without a book. I've got a new book called Sales Stampede coming out in four, four weeks. Um, not an ebook, an actual book with an actual publisher. Mm-hmm. And so if you have a book, of course, that establishes you. But a lot of it is doing things online like you're a master of, uh, getting your, not getting your name out there, but having an email list. So I send out a daily email. Every single day I'm sending an email to my list. Yep. Uh, yeah, and I'm constantly talking to people. And the, the real question, though, is how do you get the audience to consider you an expert? And a lot of that has to do with what the promoter of the event, how the promoter of the event positions you. And therefore, you need to tell them and give them a, an introduction. It's no different than as, as you as an entertainer, right? Mm-hmm. When I was a full-time entertainer, you know what a disaster it is to let the host of the event uh, do the introduction without any cueing, right? right. <laughs> not pretty. It's not, it's not usually a pretty thing. No. So... Yeah, so you establish your expertise by being very, very visible, by being visible online. Um, what I, Again, one of my most powerful, powerful tools is a daily email list. I also belong to multiple mastermind groups uh, of high-powered business owners, and I get a lot of speaking. The fact the one I'm going to in Los Angeles, I think it's next week, uh, again, came from that group. So you, you can't be hiding. Right. You've got to be visible. You've got to put yourself out there. That's really cool. And how effective is this in terms of return on investment, but also, and probably more importantly, scalability? So how scalable is this kind of thing? Because obviously it does take your time. It does take your travel, et cetera. 
Well, yes, yes, and no. So as far as effectiveness as dollar-wise, it's, it's tough to beat. So I've had $100,000 days, right, um, where I've gone out and I come home with $100,000. So maybe it's not scalable, but it sure beats the heck out of selling a $47 ebook, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, it, uh, but again, what people need to understand is it's a way to get a customer. So I've got, now I've got a customer and then I can put them into a coaching program. I can put them into a continuity program. I can put them into a bunch of other things. Also, it's very scalable if it's online, right? Mm -hmm. So if I can now take that same presentation and it's almost the same. So, and I really do want to teach people how to create a presentation that sells if, if that's what you guys want to do. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. Um, I can do that same presentation online. Well, then it's very scalable because I could put it on autopilot, right? I can have an autopilot webinar that's playing 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's making me money. Uh, so, or booking me appointments, whatever I'm using it for. And so in that way, it is infinitely scalable, but it really comes down to creating that, this presentation that persuades and this presentation that sells. Okay, so let's move into that. So what is that structure going to look like? Um, and also, we've got this sort of parallel between the live presentation and the webinar. How do those structures sort of mirror or match each other? Are they opposites completely? What does that look like, Dave? Yeah, so the, the, the actual presentation is almost the same. So I'll do the same presentation during a, on a webinar that I'll do in person. Gotcha. What di what's different is how you handle your audience, and we can get into that. But let's go over the structure. So I, we, you know, I always want to give the, be the person that gives the most value on any podcast that I do. So I really want to dig into this. So let's just go over the basic structure of of a presentation that sells. Remember, that's what we're talking about here: a presentation that sells. Well, the first thing you have to do is do what the late Stephen Covey preached, which was which is to begin with the end in mind. So I need to determine specifically what my irresistible offer is first. So the first thing that I do before I even start creating the presentation is I create my order form, whether this is a print order form or whether it is uh, an online order form. That's the first thing that I do. After I create, and the reason I do that is because now I know what it is that I'm selling. So now that I know what it is that I'm selling, the next piece of the presentation puzzle that I do is I create the close. So I go through the entire closing sequence. And most people do the complete opposite. What most people do is they start at the beginning of their presentation and they work their way through to the close. And the last thing that they do is the close. Right. But you don't want to do that. And here's why. Because when you're creating a presentation to sell, everything that you say, everything that you teach, everything that you do, every slide should lead to the close. It should be a setup for the close. The truth is, in a presentation that sells, your entire presentation is a close. But we're talking about the specific closing sequence. And so that is the very, very first thing that I create as far as the presentation goes. Because now I know, okay, here's where I'm going, right? Here's what I'm gonna do. Now, how do I get there? How do I create the desire in my audience, whether it's an online audience or whether it's an audience in person, to, uh, 
create that what I call a sales stampede, to create just a huge rush of sales uh, at the end of my presentation. I can't design a presentation to do that until I know specifically what it is that I'm selling at the end. Does that make sense? Perfect sense. I mean, it's like, it's that whole old analogy and analogy, we'll edit that. It's that whole analogy, which is about getting in the car without having your GPS set for where the heck you're going to drive to. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. That is exactly what it is. So now I loop around and I start at the beginning of my presentation. All right. And so here's the first thing that you need to do. uh, And it's mission critical in person, but it's even more important online. And that is grab your audience by the throat, (laughs) get their attention immediately. If you don't, uh, and online, when you're doing a webinar, well, they're just going to click off. They're going to be gone. It's really simple. I mean, it's really easy for them to leave. If you're doing it in person, they may not, only the rudest person is going to get up and leave. (laughs) However, they're going to mentally check out, right? They'll be looking at their phone. They'll be searching, surfing the internet. Check this out. This is absolutely 100% true. One time um, I was, there was another speaker on stage. He was speaking and I was in the back of the audience. There was this dude in the, in the audience looking at porn on his phone. I'm not kidding you. Fantastic. Fantastic. (laughs) Right. So a lot of distractions. A lot of distractions. Um, okay, and so you got to grab. I mean, it might have been me, by the way. I'm, I'm just saying that could have been me. That that could be you. <laughs> and that, actually, looking at it, or in, or actually in the movie. Nah, Let's not know. go there. Come on, come yeah. on. <laughs> now, now, see, that's a, that's a visual I didn't need, or the the the, the listeners didn't need either. Indeed. So, okay, so. You've got to grab their attention. And the way you do it, let me give you the, the, a basic structure, all right? So the basic structure is this. In the, and folks want to write this down because this is worth the price of admission. Pen is ready. The structure is this. In the next blank minute, so in the next 75 minutes, I'm going to teach you a one, two, three, step-by-step strategy for then whatever the big thing is that they want whatever the big outcome is that they want. So let's just say it's for how to create a presentation that produces seven figures for you, whatever it is, the big thing that they want. And then you want to use the word without, without having to, and then you put in whatever the thing is that they don't want to do in order to get that result. So for example, Uh, In the next 75 minutes, I'm going to teach you a one, two, three step-by-step strategy that will absolutely positively double your sales within the next six months without you ever having to make a cold call, right? So Really compelling, really compelling. Right? So I've I've grabbed their attention. Wow, I I want to hear what this person has to say. So again, the structure, what they want, the outcome that they want without having to do the thing that they don't want to do. Dave, it's almost like you do some... Um, some objection handling right up front. Okay, that's a great point. You need to cover in a one-to-many sales presentation, you need to handle all of the objections in the context during your presentation, all of them. So one of the things that you want to do is you want to create what I call an objection sheet where you write down all of the objections your audience might have. Now, a real selling pro, whether it's one-to-one or whether it's one-to-many, handles objections in advance, right? That's what a real pro does. Yep. The amateur prays that somebody doesn't 
come up with an objection, right? The mm -hmm. pro handles it. But in a one-on-one -on -one situation, you can handle objections, right? The person says something, you can handle it. In a one-to-many situation, it's very difficult to do, especially on stage. The last thing you want to do is start taking questions uh, on stage and answering objections from the stage. So you've got to weave in, you've got to, I call it layering, layering in the answers to your objections throughout the presentation. And there's really cool ways of doing it subliminally um, as well. And I'll teach one of those here because I know you guys would really be into that. So I've, so I've got my opening, right? Here's what's in it. This is what you're, this is what you're gonna discover. The other thing that your opening needs to accomplish is to let people know, well, why should they be listening to you? What makes you the expert, right? Now, hopefully that you've been, uh, it's been pre-framed that you're the expert, but you still have to let them know. And so this is where you need to tell your core story. Where people go wrong telling their core story and is they, they talk about themselves without relating it to the audience. Hmm, right. So your core story, even though you're talking about yourself, has to in some way relate to the audience. So for example, when I was selling to uh, entertainers, I was selling to other magicians, I would tell my core story about struggling, about doing three shows a month, about being deep in debt, about working a lousy job, all, all of that. Although I was telling the story about myself, it related, everyone in the audience could relate to that story. If I'm telling, now let's say you don't have a personal story. So let's say that you're an attorney and you don't necessarily have a personal story. Best that you have one, but let's say you don't. Well, then you can tell the story about your business, but it has to relate to why that's important to the audience, for the audience to know. So one of my clients, one of my very first clients, we created a presentation for, uh, she did $117,000 in 67 minutes on a teleseminar, not even a webinar, on a teleseminar, all right? So she, when she told her core story um, to, to an audience of people who were interested in estate planning, she talked about how when when she got when she became an estate planning attorney because she wanted to help people but what happened was that no one was ever calling her clients weren't calling her because they knew that they were going to be billed every single time that they called and so she had to come up with a new law model and so so this is what she did and but it all related to a benefit to the audience so your basic structure whether you're telling a personal story or whether you're telling a business story is Okay, here's how things were before. And then you wanna think of it like a, like a bell curve. So on the left side of the bell curve is here's what things were before. And then it became a, a, the tipping point at the top. Something needed to change. Something needed to change. So something did change. And then on the other side of the bell curve, here, here's what happened. So the before, Here's a pivot point, something needed to change. Here's what I did to change it. And here's what happened afterwards. Now, where people really mess this up is they spend all of the time telling their core story about, all, about how great things are, right? So if I was telling my entertainment core story, I would say, well, yeah, I, and you know, now I'm doing uh, 30 shows a month and I'm making hundreds of thousands of dollars and I'm flying private, you know, I'm doing all this stuff. That's and everyone's talking about the, the positive. That's the complete opposite of what you want to do. You want to spend the majority of your time talking about the pain, the painful part of your journey. 
And here's the reason why, because people are, are listening to you because they have a problem that they're trying to solve. So a, a saying that I love is if in order to move people to where you want them to go, you need to first meet them where they are. Mm -hmm. And so typically someone is watching your presentation because they've got some kind of problem. They're in some kind of pain that they want a solution for. And so if you're just talking about how great everything is for you now, right, they can't relate to that because they're, they're not there. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. It totally makes sense. The thing is, if you, if you go into a presentation, we've all seen it happen so often where the person on stage starts their story telling you how wonderful their life is and then showing, them, showing you their multi-million dollar home and you go, hang on, I'm, there's, there's, a, big bridge to, there's a, big, big, a big void to bridge at this point. Whereas if you go with that story, and also, do you know what it is? I think that people identify more strongly with challenge and with difficulty. That's why so many of these soap operas and like the most, the most sort of popular television shows are all about how someone's struggling with something because we're like, we're rooting for them. We really want to see them succeed. So it's much more compelling. Absolutely. That's a great analogy. That's a great analogy. Now here's something else. And um, this is a great strategy. If, if you ever have, well, if, if you ever think there's going to be an objection, it costs too much, right? So remember, I, I want to teach you one of the subliminal ways. So there's a lot of stuff that I that I do on stage and in webinars, which is really subliminal almost. It's, it, it's really a lot of subconscious influence type of stuff. But one of the things that you can do as part of your core story, that's a great place to answer objections, okay? And one of my favorites, so I sell high-priced stuff, right? So I know that when I get to my close and I go over the price, there's going to be people in the audience who think, man, that costs a lot of money. That costs too much. Right. Now, there's a couple ways I could handle that, right? I could tell them, well, I could try to justify the cost, right? And I could build up the value and all that kind of stuff. And I do all of that kind of stuff. But that's still not answering their objection. So what I do in every presentation is during my core story, I tell a story about how I was in an audience and the person was selling this program and I didn't think I could afford it. But then I remember something that the late Jim Rohn said. He said that the successful people invest in themselves in their education. And I knew that if I wanted to be successful, I needed to do what successful people have done. So I went ahead and I invested in that program, even though I didn't think I could afford it. Now, so let me tell you what I've just done there. I have just planted the answer to that it costs too much objection mm. in the prospect's mind before they even have the objection. Because now what happens when I get to the end of the presentation and I reveal the price of the product, if they think it costs too much, guess what's triggered in their mind? That exact story. And what's really interesting, I want to pick out there, there's a lovely bit of language in there as well, yeah. which is you don't say uh, that I couldn't afford, but you say, I didn't think I could afford it. Because that idea of, of not affording it then becomes a mindset rather than a cold, hard fact. Yeah, that is absolutely correct. It makes it fluid. And also by telling the story, uh, my, my own story, and quoting another source, it adds a level of power. And I know that this works, by the way, because at every presentation, every presentation that I do, someone will come up to me and say, you know, they'll take me aside and say, no, I didn't, I don't really think I can afford this, but man, you know, successful people do invest in themselves in their education. 
right? And so it's just, it's just very, very powerful. So that's what I'm talking about when I talk about layering in the answers to the objections during your presentation. Right. Okay. So now we've, now we've caught, got their attention. We know why they should listen to us. Hopefully we've told a story in a way so they like us and they trust us. Now we've got to go into the teaching portion, the content portion. And man, this is where almost everybody screws up. Hmm. And uh, let me tell you why. They actually do real teaching. <laughs> Remember, <laughs> our point here is to sell, to sell our product. And here are the, here's the truth about this. If you overteach, so if you pack in so much information, you're actually doing your audience a disservice. And here's why. They're only the most egotistical person on the planet can believe that they can affect, have a transformation on someone else's life, get them the result that they desire in a 60 minute presentation or in a 75 minute presentation. Yeah. And if you are selling, if, if you can, then you're obviously selling something really, really, really simple and you're not going to get big dollars for it and no one's going to invite you to speak on their stage. Right? So you're actually doing a disservice because a person will say, well, geez, I got all the information that I need. Why do I need to buy the product? When in fact, they don't have all the information that they need. So here's how to structure the, the content or the middle portion of your presentation. The magic number is three. So you want to have three major chunks, three major topics that you're going to talk about. Not, th not five, not seven, three. Three major topics. By the way, all of these topics should create the desire for the thing that you're selling at the end. And then under each one of the, I call them chunks, each one of those three chunks, you follow basically the same format. You introduce the big topic. You talk about why it's really important that they understand this big thing, that they get this big thing. You then tell them, and folks want to write this down, either what to do but not how to do it, or you want to give them useful but incomplete information. So let me explain to you what that means. I want to tell people what to do. In order for them to learn how to do it, they need to buy my product or my service. So what to do, not how to do it. And by the way, what to do is very valuable information because most people don't even know what to do. So you are teaching you're not teaching the details. The other strategy, useful but incomplete information, is let's say, for example, I say, all right, so there are seven things that you need to do in order to generate a lot more leads online. Now, obviously, we don't have time to go over all seven, but let me give you one of them. Well, and then you teach in detail the really cool one thing. Well, what does that make them want? That makes them want to, right, to know the other six things. Well, yeah. guess what? When you get to your close, you say, well, in module number two, we go over all seven things that you need to do in order to generate more leads online. Do you see how that works? Perfect. So yeah, I, it creates that open loop, doesn't it? It says, you know, you want the whole exactly thing. It. You've got yep. it. Yep, that's exactly what it does. And then the, the next piece of the puzzle is then it's best if you can give a case study or a testimonial that proves the thing that you just said, right? 
So you've introduced a topic, you've told them why it's important, you've given them useful but incomplete information or um, how to do it, excuse me, what to do, not how to do it, and then you have a testimonial that proves your point. And then you transition into the next teaching chunk, and then you transition into the next teaching chunk. That sounds great. Just, just want to. Uh, so, for each of the three chunks, you give a case study or testimonial. Do you give one case study and two testimonials? Two. What sort of mix and match do you do? Do you think it's best if they're all testimonials? What's the right blend there, Dave? Well, I, so I, I make the testimonials sound like they're a case study, right? Mm-hmm. So I'll have a testimonial and I'll explain it. So I've got a client. Uh, I mentioned it before. I spoke at his event, Michael Rosberg. We just did an event together. Um, I, I produce these four-hour um, live casts. So it's more than a webinar, but it's a four-hour live online event where you have a proven presentation. You've got to have a proven presentation. We turn it into a live event and you do it. So Michael did $350,000 in four hours in, in sales, right? Nice day out, so, isn't it? Yeah, that's a, that's a good, that's pretty good, right? And so... I have that as a, obviously as one of my testimonials and I'll tell the story. Michael will say, yeah, I made $350,000. Thanks today. I made $350,000 in four hours online. So I'll, I'll tell more, that would be the slide, but then I'll tell more details about that. So it's kind of a case study. I just don't like putting up testimonials saying, Hey, look how great I am. Right. That's the danger, isn't it? That is the danger of like just coming across as like, these people think I'm great. Right. Right. So I make it kind of like a teaching point is the way I, is the way I frame it. So you've got your, now you've done your teaching now, then you need, so by the way, we don't, we really don't have time to go over everything, obviously, but transitions are really important. Transitioning from your opening to your core story, to the teaching, to the close, which is where we are right now is really important. That's what makes a smooth presentation. I mean, again, you mentioned from entertainment, it's the same thing, I'm moving from one routine to another routine, sure. right? A real pro, it's smooth, it's seamless. Yeah. An amateur, it's choppy, right? It's like they're doing this, 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 as opposed to it going smoothly, a smooth show. Yeah. So, so now we transition to our clothes. And one of the things that I like to do is I like to tell the audience, who the product is not for. So I'll say, my typical transition is, so now you're probably wondering, well, how do I apply this? How do I, how can I make this happen in my business? Well, you've got two ways to do it. One is the fast way and one is the slow way. The slow way is through trial and error, right? You could try to figure this out and put it together yourself, but that's the long, painful way. Obviously, you want to do it the faster way. And so the fastest way is not to reinvent the wheel. So I'm just paraphrasing, but you get the idea. Sure. And so now... I, so now they're expecting me to pitch, right? And I introduced my product, but I don't tell them what it is yet. In fact, I take it away. I say, but before I tell you about, so in my case, it's called the Ultimate Webinar and Speaking Selling Machine. Before I tell you about the Ultimate Webinar Speaking Selling Machine, let me tell you who this is not for, which brings up a really other important point. And it, again, it goes right back to performance. So a really good performer like you, for example, you have different textures in your show, right? Some things are more serious. Some things are lighter and funny. Some things are right, but there's texture in your show. If you go see a a really great performer, like a a really great rock star, like especially the old timers, they do it way better than the folks today. There's Mm -hmm. different textures in the program. 
right? Some songs you're pumping your fists, other songs you're thinking, other songs are making you tear up, right? It's like that. So you want to keep the audience on the edge of their seat throughout your presentation. So you've got to be using pain. You've got to be using pleasure. You've got to make them laugh. You've got to make them think. And so you've got to be, there's this constant push-pull type of thing. And so I then do the takeaway. So now they want to hear what my product is, but I say, hey, hey, let me tell you who this isn't for. Let me tell you who this isn't for. Well, this isn't for you, and you're going to love this piece. You, here's the thing. I do three, three pieces. The first two pieces are highly manipulative. <laughs> all right? Okay. And now, that may offend some people. All right? So be it. But here's the difference. The difference between manipulation and persuasion is intent. Okay? The difference between manipulation and persuasion is intent. If my intent is to get somebody to buy a product that they, that they don't want, that they don't need, that's crap, that's not going to help them, then I am a snake oil salesman and I should be put in jail. Right. But on the other hand, if my intent is to get something, get a product into somebody's hands that, that can really change their life, transform their business, improve their health, whatever it is, then I have an obligation to that audience member to do everything that I can to close the sale that's ethical. And so it's at this piece of the puzzle where I say, I'll say, for example, so this is not for you if you're lazy right? I give you all of the tools. I give you all of the templates, but you got to fill it out. So if you're just a talker and not a doer, this is not for you. Well, what that does is it puts them in a bind now, doesn't it? Because nobody wants to think of themselves as lazy and as a talker and not a doer. So when I say that, they immediately think, well, well, that's not me. Meaning if this program isn't for somebody like that, and that's not you, that means that the program is for you. Am I making sense? It's a little complicated. No, no, it, it perfectly makes sense. You're basically asking them to identify with which of the two camps they belong to. They're either a person who doesn't take any action or they're a customer of your product. That's the two choices you're giving them, right? Yeah, those are the choices, right? So I got two like that. And then the third one, I honestly say, um, if, if the investment in this, which almost anyone can afford who is serious about their success and about their business, uh, it, but if, if this is literally going to take food off of your table and cause you sleepless nights, then I don't want you to get it. And that's the truth, by the way. So I don't want to have that kind of responsibility, right? If, um, if, if the person's on their last leg, I, you know, I, I don't want that. So I usually put that in there. Okay. okay. And then I go into my clothes. And my clothes is, obviously, I have to describe what they're getting. However, where most people, even seasoned people, even people who should know better, talk about the, the, the features of what they have. All right, well, I've got an online course. It's got six modules. Uh, the modules are in video. They're transcribed. You get an MP3 of the module. You get some worksheets, right? That means nothing. Now, you do have to tell them what they're getting, but they don't care about that. What they want is the outcome. So here's something that... Uh, People, everyone should write this one down. This, I call it the hierarchy of persuasion. At the lowest level of the hierarchy of persuasion, you have features. And features are what I just talked about. So let's say I'm an, a, a, an attorney or solicitor who's listening to this right now. Uh, your feature is, well, you do a 60-minute free consultation, right? That's a feature. That's the lowest level of persuasion. 
The level up from features, which is really selling one-on-one, this is where most people stop, are benefits. Well, okay, what is the benefit of that feature? The next level up is the outcome. All right, so I have all of these benefits. What is the outcome going to be for me? Right, so let's, t- so let's take an example of the thing that I sell. So the features are, well, it's a six module online course, right? Blah, 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 blah. Uh, the, the, the outcome is at the end of this, you're gonna have a presentation that closes sales for you like crazy. That's the outcome. Now that's almost where everybody stops. But guys, there's a level that's higher than that and it's where the real persuasion takes place. And that is transformation. Transformation is how am I going to be different because of this? How am I going to be different because I have a presentation that closes sales for me like magic? Well, I'm going to be making more money, meaning I can take that vacation that I always wanted to take. I could take uh, by my wife that thing that she wanted. I'm going to feel proud. I'm going to feel powerful. That's a whole new level of persuasion. Most people stick with features and benefits. Some get to outcome, almost nobody gets to transformation. This is how you're going to be different. This is how your life is going to be different if, when, when you go ahead and buy the thing that I'm selling. Now, you don't say that, obviously, but you, you talk about the transformation, the outcomes and the transformation. That makes sense? It makes perfect sense. It's, it's fantastic. And those four levels are just incredible to think about. I think it's amazing as a structure for somebody to think about. And I think a big takeaway here, just in one sentence, is the whole presentation is realistically, you know, the close. Like the moment you start, you start overcoming objections. But obviously, you can tell, obviously, from what you've said, you do, whilst that is true, you do have a kind of a separation between what you're going to consider to be the content segment and what you're going to consider to be the pitch. So how long should each of those thing, things be? Uh, in comparison to each other? Yeah, so let's say that you're doing a 75-minute presentation. And if you're selling a high-priced thing, um, it's really hard to sell a high-priced thing in less than 75 minutes. So I like to get 90 minutes. But sometimes, you know, your speaking slot's 75. Sure. Um, On a 75-minute presentation, the content portion, all of that, the beginning and the middle should be an hour and your close should be about 15 minutes. In an hour presentation, you're gonna have about a 30 minute close. And so that's that's the basic um, structure hmm. uh, of that. But here's what you don't want to do. And this is <laughs> the big mistake that people make is they rush through the close. Well, the, the close is the whole deal, right? So if you're gonna cut out anything, right? You cut out content. <laughs> You don't cut out the close because that's that's where you're going to make your money. And one last thing on the close, and I'll answer it. I know, I know I've been talking without letting you guys talk. I just get super excited about this. Oh, this is fantastic. The passion's infectious. People are here exactly. to listen to you, not us. <laughs> yeah. This changed my life. I mean, the first time that I really understood that I had something, by the way, I used to suck at this, like really bad. Uh, but then I went to work. Right. And I did invest in myself and my education, get coaches and and do all of that. When I when I sold three hundred thousand dollars in 75 minutes. Right. Yes. Now, I didn't get that's enough inspiration right there, isn't it? I mean, that tells yeah. me. No, I didn't get all three hundred thousand. Right. Because I had to split it. But I got one hundred and fifty thousand. 
Now, I don't know what other people's hourly rate is, but 150000 an hour is pretty good, right? Right. So the reason I'm passionate about this is I know that this is transformative. I mean, that, that was transformative for me. 150000 in 75 minutes, right? Mm. Mm. So really, you know, it's amazing. Actually, we we ju- it sort of brings me on to the price point sort of subject and what kind of products work. Have you found that a particular products which like product styles which sell better? For example, what do you think about selling continuity from the stage? What do you set? What do you think about selling something which is installment plans? What price points? How does that all look? Yeah, well, a lot of it depends upon the audience. Sure. Um, continuity is tough, especially now, again, continuity for people. Does everybody know who a continuity is or do you want to explain quickly what that is? Sure. I mean, that's just anything which is usually non-fixed term uh, subscription model. You're paying something every single month. Yeah, I'm sure we all pretty much know what that is. But it's, it's anything like a newsletter or anything at all where your pe- people are paying on a regular recurring basis without an end in sight where they have to cancel. And yeah, so it's, it's, it's certainly a model that a lot of people boast about and say, hey, that's the golden egg. But, you know, selling that from the stage, you're saying, is, is tricky. Yeah, that's tricky. And a lot of um, promoters don't want you to do that. And the reason that they don't want you to do that is, first of all, then you, the, 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 the actual accounting becomes ugly, right? Because remember, they get half. Right. So if you're selling a continuity program, they got to send them a check every month. And oftentimes where you would be selling a continuity program, they have their own. Right. And so that's the opposite of what they want. They want you to do. So uh, typically um, I, I won't sell anything less than nine ninety seven, nine hundred and ninety seven dollars. Yeah. And typically my price point from the stage is nineteen ninety seven. And the reason is, again, um, I'm splitting it with the promoter. Right. So if I sell 100 units of something uh, at two thousand dollars, well, that's how I can walk away with a big pot of money. If I'm selling uh, a two hundred and ninety seven dollar product, well, then it's not worth my time to to fly out and stay at a hotel. It makes the economics really tricky to make work. Yeah. Now, unless you do have on the back end and we can do another one of these if you want to talk about information marketing. Right. So I'd love to come back on at some point. We'd love that. If your listeners find this valuable. But now that is worth it, by the way, if you do have a nice continuity program on the back end. So typically, that's why I was saying you're going out to acquire a customer. And then what you do with that customer afterwards, you don't split the sales with the promoter or the event after. Right now, they're your customer as well as their customer. Yeah. Right. And that's where you would put the continuity program in place. Mm-hmm. But I like to do like nine, a minimum of nine ninety seven. Um, the most I've sold is a $50,000 program from the stage wow. as, as, as an option. And one person bought it. Right. So, you know, it, it, it can't hurt to put it out there. And do you often put uh, price plans in place or do you just say like, it's a one-off pay credit card right now. And if they can't afford it, then they're just not the right fit. Do you do any deals? Yeah, no, I usually do price points. I usually do price points. Um, and I will make the, uh, the payment plan slightly higher uh, sure. than, than the other thing. And again, you, you've got to, you have to be aware though of the audience, right? So yes, if you offer a 10 payment plan, a lot of people are going to buy it, but the promoter of the event isn't really going to like that. No. Right. And a lot of people aren't going to pay. So the most that I do is a three payment and I often just do a two payment sure. um, plan. But again, that really depends upon you, depends upon your audience. 
um, and so on. Yes, it's perfect. You know, what, I want to just sort of step out of this just for a moment and just have a think about and sort of the overall strategy of, of sort of presenting, whether that be online. And remember, everything that Dave's just shared, it translates perfectly to webinars, even teleseminars, if you want to go really old school, like it all translates perfectly. But in terms of the people in the room, let's just say this is a live event. You've rocked up to someone's event. You introduce beautifully. You wander on stage. You're delivering stuff. One of your intentions is absolutely to make that sale at the end. But do you seed anything else? Do you make another offer, which is purely for lead generation for a longer term relationship building with the people? Because the, the thing is, you might look at this, they might look at that room. There might be, I don't know, a thousand people in that room, and you know, hey, maybe I can, maybe I can close twenty percent of the room. But there's still eighty percent of that room which I could try and build a relationship with. But on the flip side of that, if you then have two offers in your presentation, which are like, hey, you could buy this thing, or I've got this free thing over here. Give me your email address. You're now muddying the water and probably reducing everything. What have you found works for that? Yeah. So, well, first of all, if you follow my system, um, you're going to close more than 20%, right? So at the last event, I closed 50%. Again, this is on uh, the event before that for attorneys, I closed um, 47%, right? So I, I'll be, I'm really pissed if I close like 20 or 25%. That's right. not, not good. Um, now on a webinar, that's outstanding, by the way. <laughs> uh, but in person, yeah. So here's the thing. Um, no, I only make one offer and you can, uh, but here's the problem. Uh, a lot of promoters do not want you to do that because remember they're making their money on what you sell from the stage. And that's kind of like stealing their customer. Got it. Right. right? So uh, now here's what happens though. When you're on stage and you're constantly saying your name and you, you got your name on your slides and people know who you are. Well, they naturally are going to go to your website, but no, I don't offer it uh, anything like that. I, I'm there for one purpose, which is to make a sale. And the truth is I'd rather have a buyer than a freebie seeker. Right? So I'd rather walk out of there with, let's say 40% of the audience of buyers on my list because buyers much more valuable than someone who just wants something for free. Uh, hell yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So it's now time to roll down into what we like to call the quick fire round. Hey, hey, you don't want to miss out on more of these fabulous nuggets, do you? Make sure you subscribe to the Three Marketers Podcast now on your podcast player. So here we go, some short, sharp, and snappy answers. What would be a book you'd recommend, Dave? I'd recommend anything by Jim Rohn. Uh, <laughs> Jim Rohn is... Uh, was was Tony Robbins' mentor, and I have found anything by Jim Rohn is great. The five major pieces of a life puzzle, the seven secrets to wealth and happiness. Uh, they're very short books. They're easy to read, uh, but extremely powerful. And I love it because I love it because it's not the it's very practical advice, not the new age wacko <laughs> sit in the corner and meditate and the law of attraction will dump money on you. Kind right. Of. And also he's like a quote machine. Like he's he just, is, isn't he? <laughs> unbelievable. Like you can quote any sentence of Jim and it sounds like absolute eternal wisdom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What is your top success habit? Something either daily or weekly? My top success habit is a morning routine. Um, I've been doing morning routines for, for years. Uh, a, a great book that teaches you a morning routine. Well, there's actually two. There's it's uh, the miracle morning by Hal Elrod. Love it. 
and then uh, Craig Ballantyne's book, uh, The Perfect Day Formula. Now, he's got a different take on it than Hal Elrod's book, but The Perfect Day Formula is also a really good book, morning routine. So getting up, um, so my, my personal routine is uh, I get up, uh, I do uh, yoga, I'll do some reading, and then I'll immediately get into um, writing, right? So I send out a daily email. So as far as business goes, sending out the daily email, uh, if anyone's not sending out a daily email, they are making the most gigantic mistake uh, 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 on the planet. It's the, the, one of the, the easiest, fastest, best things that you can do to increase your business. So from a business perspective, sending out a daily email for sure. Love it. Absolutely. And who is it you look up to? Well, my, uh, I've, got a number of, I've got a number of mentors. So uh, Dan Kennedy is my marketing mentor. Uh, he's the guy that really helped me turn uh, my business around. Uh, Jim, Jim Rohn, as I mentioned, and a dear friend of mine that most people w- would not know, a guy by the name of Rob Berkeley, uh, who uh, used to do something called Vision Day and where he really has you lay out what your what you should be doing with your life. Uh, just those were my very, very big influences. And how do you define success? Uh, I define success as doing what you love to do, making the money that you want to make while having the lifestyle that you want to have. So I know people that make a lot more money than me, but they have a crappy lifestyle, right? They, uh, I, I want to see my kids. I, I want to hang out with my wife. I want to do all of, all of that stuff. I want to be a good dad. So I think that the lifestyle aspect of it is really important. That's why I chose the business model uh, that, that I chose. And, but it's, it's definitely not just about money, but money is a key piece to the puzzle. Sure. And very important question. Who do you like more, Rob or Kennedy? Well, here's, here's the thing, guys. Um, I like your hair better, Kennedy. Okay, I like your hair better. But personality-wise, I'm just going to leave that one. I'm, I'm going to flip a coin on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, where can people go to find out more about you? Yeah, they should just go to DaveD.com. That's D-A-V-E-D-E-E.com. And what they can get there uh, for free is my, I call it my seven-figure sales presentation template. They can download it. It really goes through. We went over a broad brush overview, but what actually goes on every slide of your presentation? I mean, literally, here's what goes on slide one, slide two, slide three, slide four, slide five, all the way to your close, and they can get that for free. That's awesome. Absolutely brilliant. Well, thank you ever so much. If you haven't been taking notes during this, first of all, wow, you missed a lot, but don't worry about it. Grace here in our office has done all of that for you. You'll be able to find those show notes exactly where, Robert? Over at blog.responsesuite.com forward slash zero two one. Thank you so much once again, Dave. Oh man, I had a great time. I really did. One of my favorite podcast interviews of all time. So thank you guys. So you say hello, you present some content, you sell some stuff at the end. Happy days. Hey, presto, you've made a fortune. How about that? I mean, that answer to structure of a webinar or a presentation, that's like a whole nine podcast episodes in itself, isn't, isn't it? it? Or like one of those big online expensive trainings you might buy and Dave's just slammed it out there for all to enjoy. You're very welcome. 
Yes, there we go. Always over delivering here at Three Market. Let's walk into a podcast. And once again, you'll be able to see all the show notes, all the links, the stuff that Dave talked about over at where exactly, Robert? It will be at blog.responsesuite.com forward slash zero two one. There you go. Just in case you didn't hear it the first time. Of course, if you're not already, and we know who you are, if you're not already following us on the social medias, you'll find us at Response Suite on all of them. So on the LinkedIn, find us there. On the Twitter machine, we're there. Facebook, yep. Instagram, yep. MySpace, no. Pinterest. Uh, we are on the, on the Pinterest, aren't we? Yeah. So you'll find lots of Pinteresting things all over the internet boom, boom. On, on the social media. This episode's been long enough. I'm exhausted. We'll see you next week with another fascinating guest. We'll see you then. Bye. Don't miss a thing. Miss a thing. Check out the show notes at blog.responsesuite.com.